0: Hello. Hi there. Welcome to the Guiding Voice podcast series, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. This podcast is to help professional students, IT employees, and entrepreneurs to shape their careers. Dear listeners, in every episode, we interact with industry experts or academicians our coaches or leaders across the globe to drive some insightful conversations that will help our audience learn great things. Also, we share an interesting trivia or a fun fact about the IT world or technology towards the end. Thank you for tuning in. This is Naveen and with my co-host Sudhakar. So folks, in case if you have read the most popular book, 7 Habits of Highly Effective People, there is one of the prominent 7 habits which says, sharpen your saw. I don't know how many of you resonate with sharpen your saw but the main intention of sharpening your saw is all about upskilling yourself. It's about sharpening the saw so that if you could spend say half of the time in sharpening the saw it would be easy for you to cut the wood and in case if your saw is not as sharp as it should be probably there are chances where that saw might be broken and you'll not be able to cut the wood as well so given the importance of upskilling in life let us try to understand more about the importance of upskilling in life myths and facts around it and we're pleased to welcome Sushma to
1: our show Sushma Mamindlapalli is the co-founder of Proxel, a learning and development hub for professionals who look forward to leadership and self-development through continuous learning. She is a transformation coach, life skill trainer, speaker and an aspiring author. Over the period of her professional journey, Sushma has trained and coached hundreds of global professionals to upskill themselves. Sushma is joining us from Colorado, USA, and will be talking to us about the importance of upskilling in anyone's life. Sushma, welcome to our show.
2: Thank you, Sudhakar, and thank you, Naveen. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. Very happy to be here.
1: So, Sushma, let us get from the basics. Please tell us something about yourself, how you ended up with becoming so much useful for the professionals across the globe by becoming the skill set trainer.
2: Sure Sudhakar. So I have been a transformation coach and a life skill trainer for close to seven years now. And what I exactly do as a transformation coach is my focus is on upskilling in soft skills in the area of self-development and leadership. I have over a decade of corporate experience between India and USA. So what I have learned in my journey is that, no matter what skill you learn, the transformation has to happen at the core of the person. There have to be subconscious shifts in order for the transformation to be permanent. For example, it could be organizing skills, Time management, stress management, more advanced skills like applying your emotional intelligence to different situations, critical thinking, decision making. All of these are skills, life skills, which, if learned just at the surface, like any other technology or a computer language, there's a good possibility that they might drop off over a period of time when life happens or, you know, life just gets busy. So it's important to make sure that that transformation happens. And that's one of my objectives when I do a learning. Program that's the kind of commitment that I expect from my participants, as well as the commitment that I give. And you know, what I am really passionate about is helping individuals bridge those skill gaps in these professionals and personal lives so you know that they can become their best and successful selves. And what keeps me going is my desire to make a difference where it matters. Every participant that I work with, the fact that I'm able to help them improve in life is the biggest satisfaction that one can ever have in their work so after making my journey as a freelance coach for several years so that's how I started two years ago I co-founded the company Proxel along with a partner from India Uh, So a little personal background about myself I am from India currently a citizen of USA. I was born in the Middle East and I had my schooling there until I was eight years old. And then my family moved back to India. I completed the rest of my schooling, my bachelor's degree, and I started my career in India. And uh, since then it's been like more than 15 years of working in my areas of fashion. Uh, So I eventually moved to US around nine years ago and now I'm settled in the state of Colorado
1: excellent so you had the opportunity to have the experience of both east and west and also the middle east amazing so sushma please tell us a little bit about proxel as well what do you guys do with proxel
2: Sure Sudhakar. So Proxil is a learning and development company and Proxil right now we have two locations in USA and India. So in India it's uh, all the operations are from Hyderabad and I have a partner her name is Sudha Koluru who has 10 plus years of training and business development experience. So around two years ago I was very fortunate to kind of sync up with her and shared ideas and we were very excited to get started on the company. And I think uh, her experience, her expertise and the way our uh, thought process matched kind of really encouraged me to start my own company and you know kind of go on the journey of entrepreneurship and so we as a team we manage all the operations in serving the clients across the globe so I here from Colorado USA manage the US operations and she does from India and we also handle global clients as well in other countries. So we offer training programs primarily for corporate clients and educational institutions. So we work a lot with students and professionals. And we occasionally also have some programs that are rolled out for individuals. So uh, as I had mentioned, our primary area of work is soft skills. So it's completely non-technical. And uh, we work with strategic partners. So depending on the requirements of a particular training. We bring in partners from our circle of trainers who are well-renowned and reviewed, and uh, they help us through completion of the program. So it's more an assignment uh, basis. So what is special about Proxel? I have to tell you this, is when we created this company, our main idea was to propagate the message that all skills are important. No matter which walk of life you come from, you could be a professional, you could be a homemaker, you could be like the most successful uh, entrepreneur, or you could be a student. That life skills are extremely important for everyone. And that has been the focus when we create our learning programs as well because we wanted to be able to help and serve all groups of people, all groups of participants and they should feel like they're really drawing value from it. So that is one of the reasons why we offer 100% customized programs. So we work one-on-one with the clients to understand their requirements and it's almost like we build it off of a very basic template and it's completely customized for them. And we are focused on bringing transformation through experiential learning. So all of our programs are pretty much spaced over a couple of weeks where we allow the participant to absorb what we are sharing, kind of practice it. And I'm sure you've been in a lot of workshops and trainings, Naveen and Sudhakar, where experiential learning is what makes the training program more memorable. You're able to relate to it better. You're able to learn through reflecting upon what exactly you're doing. So that kind of gives you a more subconscious understanding of the entire concept that you're actually learning. And it's not like a regular classroom learning at all. So our programs are very result-oriented and engaging. And not just the training, but we have a 360 degree assessment which starts with a free assessment for the candidates. We do on training assessments uh, periodically and we also have post assessment and post-training support that we offer which is actually the favorite part for the clients because most training programs end with the program itself but we go back after a couple of months to see how the participants are doing what kind of improvements the management is seeing it could be student organizations or corporates so uh, absolutely it's been a wonderful journey for us so far but as a part of proxy uh, two years just flew by and we're looking forward to a very bright future
0: that's an astonishing journey, I would say. And this reminded uh, one of the conversations Sudhakar and I had with a popular uh, sales premier. And he spoke about this entrepreneurship, um, which is about when you are working for a corporate, uh, we always think grass on the other side is greener and all. And in this context, like we always strive to earn more money with less efforts. And with that in mind, we get into this entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship given the amount of efforts that you guys are putting in terms of offering the experiential learning devising a customized training plan or program running it executing it it's all not that easy it's very very humongous and when you already have a lucrative corporate job in hand what made you to take a plunge into this entrepreneurship <music>
2: So Ravinia, that's a very good point that you make. I think a lot of people have this idea that when you get into entrepreneurship you don't work anymore. You know, there's this very popular quote where they say that when you love what you're doing, you're not working. It doesn't feel like you're working anymore. But I'd like to differ a little bit on that saying that you actually work more than you do in a exactly. regular job. Because when you're an entrepreneur, your business is, it's your brainchild, So it's on your mind all the time, 24-7. And uh, it's that passion that you know you want to keep doing something new you want to keep moving ahead so it, it just doesn't let you alone so maybe you can turn off your mind when you're in a corporate job, but you can't really do that when you're an entrepreneur. But definitely, I think the the satisfaction that you get from being an entrepreneur is what makes the journey much more enjoyable and uh, easier. So uh, that is j- definitely a big plus of being an entrepreneur. So from a very young age, Naveen, that I have been very fond of public speaking, networking, and you know helping people. And I consistently made efforts to improve my skills as well because that was my area of interest. So I would constantly you know, educate myself or participate in programs where I can be a better and an impactful communicator. So after graduating college, I would, you know, often go back and mentor students and share my experiences with them when I started my corporate journey. And, you know, even during my corporate journey, I had helped many positions where I was a trainer or I would help other people. So I was a business analyst for more than a decade. So a lot of it required me to coordinate between different project groups, and different people, so it always made me happy where I could help. So not just the technical aspect of uh, you know project work, but it was more the interaction and you know the association that I had with my team members that kind of really uh, used to make me very happy. That was like the happiest part of my job. Uh, so I think around seven years ago was when I you know seriously decided that I wanted to pursue coaching and training as a profession. So what I did is I started equipping myself with the necessary expertise and knowledge with the focus on self-development and leadership so these were main areas that were very close to my heart, you know self-development and and leadership and uh, I also uh, coach on one aspect of leadership which is self-leadership where I believe that no matter what your designation is, what your title is, what your position is in life, you have to lead yourself first and then everything else will follow and all the other success will follow you. So I started exploring different strategies and I I developed my own self-improvement methodologies, which are influenced. You know, I've worked with Dale Carnegie instructors here in the USA, so I had the opportunity to work with them on-site and in-house with different clients. And it's very interesting because uh, you know, being such a big brand name, they have a lot of different groups of participants that come in right from, you know, daily daily wage workers up to corporates and leadership team members from the biggest organizations. So that was a very enriching experience for me. And I'm also certified in RECBT, which is Rational Emotional Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. This is a very popular methodology that's used in psychotherapy. And I'm certified from the Albert Ellis Institute of New York. And uh, this kind of also kind helped me to improve my approach when I do training. So all of these influences and my own personal experience of corporate, of being a Toastmaster, all of these put together uh, really helped me to personalize the experience of training because I've been there. I've experienced it. I've faced those hardships and challenges of meeting requirements from this demanding world Uh, so it makes it makes it easier for me to understand a participant's perspective and I think that has definitely helped me connect better. And now looking back uh Naveen you know I I really feel proud of the decision that I made to make a career shift because today my biggest motivating factor is the satisfaction that I'm able to help someone and what I enjoy the most in this journey is that it's a self-discovery in many ways. Okay. In this profession you must practice what you preach. It cannot be different because otherwise you You cannot really be an effective coach. You know, a lot of people think of training and coaching as just another profession. But I think at another level, there is a lot of emotional connection that you have to make with your participants. It's only then that they will learn and hear you really, not just listen and forget, but uh, you know, absorb what you're saying, remember it and make that effective. their life, So, every set of participants is different and each of them have something unique to offer. This is also another thing that I always share with my participants. They think that, okay, you're the mentor, you're the coach, Sushma. You tell us, we will learn. But no, it's a a two-way street. There's so much that everybody has to offer even though they may not be aware of it. So, I learn as much as I share in my training programs. So, it's an absolute delight, Naveen. Thank you for asking me that question. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sure, my pleasure. So, connecting to one of the responses that you mentioned, like being a coach is not easy and you have to practice what you preach and you have to constantly upskill yourself to be able to serve your clients better, right? So, can you share the importance of upskilling in somebody's career or life in your own words?
2: Sure, sure. Yes, definitely. First, you know, let's try to understand what exactly is a skill. So in simple words, in dictionary, uh, you know, definition, it's the ability to do something well. So upskilling is either enhancing a skill that you already have, or you're learning something new. And, uh, you know, honestly, Naveen, um, maybe I can ask ask you first. So when do you think is a good time to upskill in life?
0: There there is no time as such. You have to continuously upskill yourself or else will not survive, especially in this digital transformation world where his world is moving faster than ever before with the kind of technologies that are getting created and the kind of skills that are getting created and all it's impossible to survive without upskilling ourselves like and we can't wait for a particular time that's my take
2: right so so i think definitely for a professional who is multifaceted multi talented like you are that's a that's a very apt answer that you have given something that i would expect yes definitely there is no time to say that you know now i can stop upskilling that never happens but Ustakar, uh, maybe i can ask you that what do you think having interacted with so many people in your profession in your life what is the general mindset that people have about upskilling
1: I generally think that people are content with what they are exposed to and what they are aware. And uh, that is the first thing where, you know, we are in a way falling in the trap right the moment something like that happens I think it was Albert Einstein right when someone asked what did you achieve and he picked that from sand he just picked that one piece and said that you know that grain is what I achieved in my life so if someone like Albert Einstein made that statement so for normal human beings like us I think that content is a very dangerous spot especially in this current environment like uh, Naveen mentioned I think it was Alvin Toffler right that he said the illiterate of this 25 First century is not someone who can't read and write and someone who can't learn unlearn and relearn i think not necessarily i'm just paraphrasing but i think it was alvin toffler who said that we definitely need to focus and keep up our personal growth development and continuously learn sushma
2: Right, right, absolutely agrees Sudhakar. And I think it's interesting how you know there is so much focus on extracurricular activities, all-round development, learning new things. While a child is growing up. Okay, when we have kids in the house or when we see kids, we are constantly focused on what are you learning, which class are you in, what is your favorite sport, or there's so much focus on that but interestingly it all stops when the same child becomes an adult and when I say stops what I mean is that once people leave the education system they think that their learning days are over and it becomes more of focus on survival and success so just learn what you need to get a good job or to uh, you know get that next promotion or to move up the corporate ladder or get a better job get a better salary so it becomes very uh, limited in terms of what somebody wants to learn whereas when you're a child there's a lot more fascination to learn more things you apply it or not is a totally different topic of discussion but uh, you know I personally feel that upskilling is something that takes a backseat sadly and there's more very limited or, you know, sometimes even no focus on personal growth and development that people have when it comes to upskilling in life.
1: Yeah, Sushma, you touched upon a very good point that, you know, during the childhood days, we focus on learning because the moment we get a job or something, I think we believe and we get into that shell where we think we got what we wanted to. And I think that we consider that as the destination, than as a milestone to go to the next level. Right. And especially for adults, that becomes more a norm as you get more age or as you get older, I would say. Now we know the problem statement. You know, Mm -hmm. once we get into professional world or once we get into adulthood, we stop. Mm -hmm. I'm not generalizing, but most of us stop focusing on our upskilling activity. Why do you think people don't consider continuous learning as an important activity? So now we have the cause. So how to ensure that we address that now? Sushma.
2: Sure. So uh, Sudhakar, I think that from my experience of working with different professionals or You know, just in general, you know, interacting with people. What I have learned is that people have many myths about upskilling. So I think today I'd like to talk about like the top two myths that I have come across. So the very first myth is that upskilling is only for working professionals. This is what a lot of people think. So when you talk about training programs, learning programs, anything, they're like, I'm either not in the workforce or my role does not demand me to do that kind of, uh, you know, activity. So I'd like to explain that with an example. So let's say uh, Naveen or Sudhakar, when you were younger, And when you were more financially dependent on your parents, and say you want to buy a new mobile phone, what would you do typically? So, do you want to share a few ideas? What would you do? How would you go about presenting the idea to your parents, and uh, you're convincing them to buy you the mobile?
1: When we were child, you know, when we were really at the children's stage or at that younger age, I should say, you know, we did not use PowerPoint presentations, but definitely created a business case on why we should be getting that mobile phone, right? Anyway, Naveen and Sushma are much younger to me, but uh, when I was growing up there were not uh, mobile phones that are so common you know 1999 when i got into professional world that is when the mobile phone was getting into more renown but i understand your question if not mobile phone let's call it a bike for example but yeah right. create a business case and try to justify it to your father through your mother most probably
2: right exactly so so what you what you're actually doing is that you're doing research, you're gathering data about the different uh, mobile phones or a bike, you're drawing a comparison to see what best suits your interests and your likes. It could be the design, it could be the features, it could be uh, the appearance of the product. And then you, may, you shortlist the items or the products that you like. And then, like you said, you kind of create a business case and present it to your parents. And one way of working the negotiation better is to introduce it through your mom of course Uh, so what are you really doing so you are if you shift the same kind of process to a corporate setup you're actually making a presentation you're making a business proposal presentation right so what I'm trying to get at is that all skills are life skills that you are using in different capacities based on where the person is and the environment that they are in so when you're presenting this idea to your parents you are you know doing negotiation you are doing thinking, you are using your best presentation skills, you've used your research skills and as your parents are responding to what you have presented, you're also using your emotional intelligence to navigate through the dialogue and the conversation to make it a success, right? So you're typically using the same skills even in a corporate setup but at a more focused level. So this myth that people have that upskilling is only for working professionals, I would say is absolutely wrong because even as a home maker, myself, if I have to present an idea to my spouse saying that we want a new appliance, there is a lot of process that goes on behind it. So no matter which walk of life you come from, you are using these skills on a daily basis. And the better you are at these skills, the better your life is. The easier things get. Even it could be a simple conversation, having open communication with family members. All of these are much more successful when you have better communication skills. So I think this idea that people have that You know, I don't need communication skills. No, you do. Your family life is the happiest when you can have those open conversations, when you can have those trusted conversations. I think this myth, you know, kind of carries forward into personal lives as well. Where a lot of people suffer the negative effects of it, just because they're not able to open or not able to handle their emotional situations. And I believe very strongly, Sudhakar, that, you know, your professional self and your personal self they are not two separate things. Who you are as a person reflects a lot in the work that you do and how successful you are or how happy you are with your work professionally reflects back in your personal life. So trying to treat them separately is a very wrong approach two sides of the same coin and only when they are in sync you are a happy person and you can create happiness around you. So that's the first myth that you know I would like to talk about. Would you like to share any experiences Naveen from you know your own life or your own profession where you felt that though it may not be something that's an add on to your professional life but I really need to learn this
0: Yeah, especially now that my villa construction is going on, I have to learn Mm -hmm. dealing with people who are not so educated, right? Because we always have this polished communication, okay, wherein Mm -hmm. everybody is sensitized about emotions and dealing with emotional quotient emotional intelligence so on and so forth but that kind of thing will not work when you are um, dealing with people uh, who are at the ground level within the skilled sector i would say when i say skilled sector in the construction field or probably plumbing and all right so you need some sort of special attention and i would say special vocabulary as well to deal with them and get the task done it is not easy as easy as how you deal with the corporate uh, employees
2: right right definitely I absolutely agree I think you need to connect with them at a different level in order to make sure that they are happy and you know they're doing their work well and getting it done in time so yes definitely so that's a learning in itself and I'm sure all the learning that one would have in uh, you know corporate approaches or family approaches flavors of all those add in when you're trying to connect with a new group so that kind of really helps in terms of the skills that you would need so now moving on to the myth number two upskilling is only required when you need to move a step up in life so this is one thing that I commonly come across when uh, I work with corporate folk or uh, you know even when I work with students actually you, you know they kind of pick and choose what they need in order they start getting into that mode that you know okay this is the corporate requirement and this is what I need to learn and then they kind of draw a line and say that okay my learning stops here I've completed all the certification programs that I require So let's move on, kind of a thing. But, you know, one aspect of staying engaged in learning that I share a lot, especially with students, is that it really improves your confidence, creates a sense of accomplishment and makes you feel in control. And the reason I say that is, uh, so, you know, as a woman entrepreneur, I take a lot of pride in the special signature programs that Proxel offers. So we have a program called Women in Career Excellence. So I'm just sharing this as an example. So when I meet with them uh, and, you know, talk to them, so these are women who are, in profession, like in working jobs or even homemakers. So there's a mixed group that I work with. And, you know, when I talk to them, they're like, no, I just stay at home. So nothing much that I need to do. I just have the regular chores that I do. at But so what happens is without them realizing over a period of time, your confidence starts to drop because there's nothing new that gets you excited or you're not exposing yourself to anything that's creative. It just becomes monotonous routine. You might be doing a great job of being a homemaker, you know, supporting your family, taking care. So in no way is that like a secondary thing to think of. You know, it is one of the most important jobs in the world that a woman can have. But, you know, being able to feel confident that, you know, no matter which stage I'm in life, no matter how old my kids are or how young they are, I can learn something new. I can create something that's mine, that is my own skill set is a confidence at a very different level, which kind of influences everything else that you do it makes you feel more in control and it makes you feel that you know no matter what challenge i face i can still deal with it and when i started working on this program i started researching more about you know the medical aspect of it not just what we feel or what we perceive as you know regular people in the society but what is science say about it. So, scientists have known that the brain continues to develop through our teenage years, but these experts generally used to think that at a certain point of time when the brain is mature enough, it actually stops growing or the development kind of just stalls. But recent data, interestingly, has shown that the brain continues to change over the course of our life. So, the cells continue to grow, there are cells that kind of fade away and die, they form new connections. And so, As we know, you know, it's commonly known that there are different parts of the brain, right? So some people say you have a more active creative brain. So one side of your brain is more active than the other. This is general conversation that we have. And all of this, you know, it kind of gets uh, studied commonly through brain mapping when you go to a scientific aspect of it. So what, you know, scientists have come to know is that not just the kids, but you know, this principle of growth, of engagement, of activation of the brain applies to all ages, including the seniors. So the aging brain it responds to learning the same way a child's brain does. This is a very, very important thing that everybody needs to remember. That we think that okay, you know, we, we are in the you know midlife range or we are a senior citizen, so you know nothing, you no, know, we just reflect upon what we have learned in our life and no need to learn anything you new. Know? But it can actually help you even in terms of your mind health. So this is to say that the more actively engaged your mind is, it slows the degradation of the mind and these are in medical terms with age and it also prevents conditions like dementia and Alzheimer's which has now become more and more uh, common because of you know the changes in lifestyle and the higher amount of stress that people experience. So staying mentally active allows a person to have a more balanced life, respond better emotionally and see things more so you know science is proof to say that upskilling is a very important part of life so I'm, I'm really glad that I'm able to share you know these top two myths that people have and the facts around it and uh, you know I hope this is beneficial for you know all the listeners yes.
1: absolutely I'm sure our listeners are going to get immensely benefited with these myths and facts Sushma Now that we covered the myths and facts aspect, what do you suggest for people who would like to engage in continuous learning by staying on the right side?
2: Sure, Sudhakar. So I think the best thing that you can invest in is yourself at any point in your life. So we are often, you know, uh, inspired by stories of happy, successful and rich people. And we're like, wow, they have, uh, you know, they've reached success or, you know, it feels like a dream. They have a dream life. But what all these people have in common is that they never stop learning. So behind every success story, there's a lot of hard work. There is a a lot of learning and constant upskilling to stay updated with the world, with the industry that they're working with with their work set up, so many different things. So they're continuously learning and adapting every step of the way. Billionaire Warren Buffett estimates that he read at least 100 books on investing before he turned 20, you believe it or not. Now we just hear of you know the after story of billionaire Warren Buffett saying that, okay, he's successful, he's a you know, financial guru, but there's so much work that goes into it and learning is a big part of it. So learn new skills. If you have an interest in it, learn everything that that you can learn about. It. Sometimes the skills that seem unproductive right now can actually become extremely useful in the right situation. This is, so this is my strong message to everyone that please keep learning, not for anything else, but for yourself so that you can be your best self.
0: Amazing, great conversation so far. So we have come to the fag end of this episode and uh, we'd like to conclude with one last question. So what are some tips that you'd like to share with our audience?
2: Yeah, thanks Naveen, that's a, that's a great question to finish with and I'm very happy to answer that as well. So I'd like to share a few tips, so maybe around like four tips, let me share the top ones that I have always on my list. So the first one is... Allocate a budget for self-improvement. Okay, a very common thing that we are often told by our uh, adults or our well-wishers is budget. Budget, work with the budget. And we have budgets. If you think of it, we have budgets for shopping, we have budgets for entertainment, we have budgets for vacations in a year. Probably the only thing that comes lower on the priority list is a budget for self-improvement. So my you know, very strong message to all the listeners is that please allocate a budget for self-improvement self-improvement on a monthly basis. It doesn't have to be the same every month. Maybe you could spend it towards buying a book in one month or maybe uh, sign up with a learning program or maybe sign up for a certification or attend a seminar, attend a workshop. Please do allocate some budget, monetary budget in order to invest it in yourself to learn something new every month. Okay, that's my first tip, and my second tip is invest in paid programs for quality learning and coaching support. So, like we all know, you know, nothing comes free in this world. There's no free lunch. So if there is something that is offered free to you, definitely it could be of value. But you have a better quality, you know, now with the growing trends of online content and influencer accounts that people have on social media, there's a lot of valuable content that you know is, is circling around on the internet. But a proper structured quality learning happens only when you invest money. Of course, there's a lot of programs out there in the market. So it's up to you to find what suits you best. But if you think of it, okay, even the best sportsmen in the world, the number one champions, they require coaches. Why do you think that is? Sudhakar, would you like to uh, share your thoughts on that? Why do you think even like the number one tennis players or the top cricketers require coaches in their life? They already know everything, right?
1: Yeah, it is always to provide that outside in perspective is how I would put it, uh, Sushma. Because it is always easier for someone outside to bring in that perspective to see, hey, you are doing really good at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. But in 9 and 10, these are the places where you can focus on. And if I am really in that transactional state, I don't think I will be able to have better appreciation of those gaps.
2: Right. Absolutely perfect, Sudhakar. You. You just nailed it because when these You know, successful sports people, when they have coaches, what does a coach do for them is that the coach doesn't work on the skill. The coach works on the person. Coach works on the applicability of the skill depending on the strengths or weakness of an individual. So there could be a lot of content out there. You could have hundreds of YouTube videos or just, you know, streamed videos or reading material. But when you engage with the coach and that is where a paid program comes into picture is that they work with your skill. So for example, if you want to be a better communicator, you could see all the videos about best communication, you could listen to all of the world champions for speakers, but yet you may not be able to implement it. The reason being that what you already have in terms of your strengths and weaknesses may, may be different from somebody else. So you need an individual to connect with that, to help you work with your areas of improvement and apply what you're learning. So that is where you know, a coach becomes very important. A lot of people have this idea that why should I pay for a learning program when you know there is so much content already out there? So this is an important point that people need to understand when they are planning for their learning programs or planning for their upskilling, that please find programs that suit your interest and try to find the right kind of coach. I also would like to talk a little bit about the flip side of it, that nowadays there are lots of coaches out there who kind of take your money and with all due respect to all the coaches out there, I say this, that they have very limited information or knowledge that they would like to share for a very limited time and possibly priced reasonably also. But what you really want is somebody who can not just like talk to you like they're talking to you in a classroom, but can actually help you learn and apply it and practice it. So unless that takes effect, no matter how many learning programs you do or how many certifications you do, it's not really going to be helpful. So this is an important point that people need to remember when they're planning their upskilling. Tip number three, so engage with people and groups that share your interest. So there are so many groups. I have been a Toastmaster for a very long time in my life. And that is one of the best non-judging platform that I have been a part of, which really allowed me to improve as a communicator, to discover so many things about myself, work on my areas of improvement. So if you are somebody who is, for example, focused on communication, you could sign up with your local Toastmasters club. You know, there's a specific area that you want to focus on. There's so many groups out there who work on these if It could be if you're health conscious and say you want to do, learn something new for improving your health, then you can sign up with the yoga group. You can, you know, kind of buddy up with somebody to go and work out. So I'm giving you a general perspective of any new skill that you would want to learn or practice. Engage with people, interact with them. It's not just for the purpose of the learning itself, but there's so many other things that you learn from experiences of other people which makes your your journey, your learning journey more holistic, more all-rounded. Okay. So uh, tip number four, that the last tip that I'd like to share is if you do not have that kind of flexibility. So I've spoken about paid learning programs and, you know, Proxel does a lot of paid learning programs. We also do free workshops as well. So if you feel that, you know, I have too many commitments, I don't have the financial flexibility to uh, allocate that kind of budget or spend money on myself, then you then your last resort is there are lots of free resources out there. And with the internet, the world is at your fingertips. So find people find influencers who are offering that kind of service where they give you value for free value content value information value tips so there are a lot of you know wonderful people out there when you go into professional platforms like linkedin or other social media like instagram is quite popular there are businesses and professionals on tiktok as well and since we are surrounded by social media all the time i think The best thing that you can do is make the most of it in in trying to upskill yourself. All in all, I would like to say that what you really need is a commitment to learn and to stay engaged. And if you have the will, you will find the way. That's all I have to say in terms of the tips that I'd like to share.
1: Sushma, thank you so much for joining us today. It was our pleasure to understand the advantages of staying relevant and current by upskilling in this life. And like you rightly said, all you need is that intent and commitment. And if there is a will, there is a way. Thank you very much. We really appreciate you taking time for us.
2: Thank you, Sudhakar. And thank you, Naveen. I am really, really happy that I could be a part of this conversation. And I think the guiding voice is doing a great job in uh, bringing the experts, you know, sharing their views for the listeners. And uh, I'm sure all of the listeners are benefiting greatly. So congratulations for the amazing work that you're doing. And uh, thanks again for inviting me here. Thank you.
0: Sure. Thank you so much. All right, so it brings us to the previous segment of today's tri- episode. And today's trivia is about technology devices. So I would ask one question to you all. Do you know how many devices does a technology user carry? I know the answer might be at your fingertips or at the tip of the tongue, saying that at least three or four, right? Because you have smartwatches, at least one or two smartphones, one by office and one for personal use and one laptop. So considering all those devices on an average a technology user carries about 2.9 devices all the times interesting isn't it thank you for listening there is more in store folks stay tuned take care be safe until next time bye-bye and we are signing off